Welcome to the. <laughs> I already got nervous. <laughs> Stage right already. Okay. Home staging isn't just a job. For many small town stagers, it's a lifeline and an escape from the soul crushing daily grind. It certainly was for us. We're talking about it all and sharing our stories, successes, and failures to inspire and empower other overworked and underappreciated creatives everywhere to become the entrepreneur of their dreams. It starts now. Welcome to the Staging Lab Podcast, Episode 1. We are Amy and Jess, your hosts, and we're the owners of Rough Diamond Staging and the creators of the Staging Lab, where we help home stagers with smaller budgets and smaller cities level up. And we are so freaking excited to get this podcast off the ground. It's been a long time coming, and we're so glad you're here. Today's episode, we are talking about who we are and why we risked our security and started a small creative business in the first place, because not everybody has the cojones to do that, or maybe not at that particular moment in their life. So what is it that made that happen for us? And I, I read a quote once, and this is like, excuse the extreme nature of this quote, <laughs> but I read a quote once that said that no woman wants an abortion like she wants an ice cream cone or a Porsche. She wants an abortion like an animal caught in a trap wants to gnaw off its own leg. Okay, so that that's what it took for me. That's that's how I felt before jumping off the ledge and opening a small business. And I don't think that I would have had the guts to do it if I hadn't felt that intense about it, if I hadn't been so desperate. But don't worry, this podcast is about home staging, yeah. not abortion. <laughs> that's a conversation for another podcast. However... I just want to make people understand, you know, you don't open a business because you have a whim. It's not frivolous. It's not frivolous. It's not something that you do. It's not a risk that you take because you just feel like it that day. Usually, especially if you're going full bore the whole way, you're not just doing it part-time while you're doing another job. And that was how it was for us. So let me back up. I have told this story a few times in the past, but I don't think I've ever told the whole story. So when I decided to open Rough Diamond Staging in 2016, I had I was living in Chicago with my husband. I had just finished grad school and I had realized that my degree in international relations was not anything I wanted to pursue as a career anymore, which you can imagine is absolutely terrifying because I just spent a lot of money and a lot of time getting that degree because I thought that was going to be my future. And I couldn't find a job that made sense for me, even though I had a master's degree, because suddenly I was overqualified for the things that I wanted to do and underqualified for anything else that I wanted to do. And I was stuck. And if I hadn't been stuck like that, again, I don't think that I would have had the guts to do it. But in 2010, way back, I had graduated with an interior design degree and the recession made that absolutely impossible because the crash had just happened, right? So I ended up with a degree that was absolutely worthless to me. And then years passed and I did some design work here and there, but I ended up doing that 
history degree and the, the degree in international relations and got stuck in Chicago. And I'm looking back at that point on that interior design degree and thinking, okay, I loved that. What could I do with that? And I was walking to class one night on a Friday night, which let me tell you, Friday night classes are the worst. I think it was like a seven o'clock Friday night class. It was a three hour long class and I was dreading it. I was absolutely completely dreading it. And thinking, why am I, why am I spending so much time and energy trying to get a degree in something that I am so dreading and so miserable about? And as I was walking to class, I sir, I, I heard and smelled at the same time. You smurred. I smurred. I smelled sawdust and I heard a chop saw. And I instantly tears sprang to my eyes. It was the weirdest thing, but I had grown up with a carpenter grandfather and a bunch of builders in my family and they're all blue collar. They all are the kind of people that fix everything themselves and build things from scratch. And so that smell was really nostalgic for me and it reminded me of that past of that like interior design construction past that I had really really identified with so much more than the life that I was currently in. And suddenly I just knew all the way down that I was not meant to be doing anything involving that degree. And I was supposed to be doing something involving the smell of sawdust. And that is all I knew. And I still went to class because I am absolutely that guy who doesn't (laughs) skip class. I would have went and had a beer. Yeah, that's you're smarter (laughs) than me. I've learned things from you since then. (laughs) But I... Uh, a few days later, you know, came to the, the total conclusion, like, this is not for me. I, I have to look at something else. I have to find a way to get, you know, construction and creation and sawdust back into my life. And I went to the park with my husband and we talked through about a billion ideas of things that I could do. And honestly, home staging was the thing that we picked because it sounded like a thing I could pull off. I had the interior design degree. I had that that um, knowledge and the confidence that came with at least knowing design. And I was like, you know what? I think I could do this. I think I could pull this off. I'll just create a little side business and it will help support me while I figure out, you know, what I want to be when I grow up. So I picked home staging and decided to just learn everything that I could about the industry and spent about $99 registering my LLC and boy, the rest is really history. But I moved back home to Ohio shortly after and officially started to get, um, started to look for stagings in the area. And about a year into that, while I was still very new and struggling is when Jess found me. Yeah, I found you at a craft show, like a local craft show, small town stuff right here. Definitely. And I was selling homemade dog treats. (laughs) They were adorable. Don't knock it. I love them. At that time, I, before, I'll back up, before that, um, a few years before that, I had started college and done a couple years. I was in Toledo, did a couple years at Toledo, came back, went to Kent State, transferred to Kent State to be closer to home. And I just always, I never was that kid that was like, I want to be a nurse. I want to be a doctor. I I know what I want to be. I never knew. I knew I had a lot of different talents, but didn't know like where to place them. Um, So I was like, you know, this college thing's not for me. I'm just going to go take another route. And when you're from a small town, that route is always like 
an office job, a cozy, like nine to five. It has benefits. You get paid well and it's stable. So mm -hmm. I did that and I was managing the local Allstate offices and managing like, like a boss, <laughs> managing a few employees. It was, it was great. And it, and a lot of times it gives you that, like, you know, that boost of serotonin that you need when you get those sales and yeah. things like that. There were really great parts of it. And I learned a lot from it, especially how to manage people, how to manage an office. But it was also the stress level of it when it came to the next month of making those numbers and doing this for someone else and literally like running myself into the ground. It was just too much. And I was like, is this really what I want my life to look like for the next 15 years? Am I going to dig my heels into this office life and drink coffee at nine and three every day? <laughs> and like, this is going to be who I am. Like, I don't, I don't think I want that. And we had had a daughter and I was like, I'm just wasting my time here. Like, I just, I need to be at home. I just felt this pull. So I was like, well, and when you started insurance, you didn't, you guys weren't planning to have kids. Were no, you? no. So this was a big curveball, huge curveball. And I was like not managing at the time when I had started in insurance and it, it was a lot. And so <clears throat> I thought I wanted one life and we had Zoe amazingly and I needed to be in a different lane, you yeah. know? And so I had decided to like, after many months of deciding that I was just like, okay, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave this. I don't have the ego for it anymore. I don't need <laughs> this life. I don't need to feel like this. You know, the stress is too much. So I left and was like staying at home with Zoe, taking her to the zoo every day. You can only clean your house for so long. Um, <laughs> so I was like, okay, let's try these. Like, am I allowed to say MLM? On I podcast? I don't. Yeah. 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 So, okay. All right, so let's get into it then. Let's do it. <laughs> this will be for another podcast. Let's throw something episode. at the wall. Um, I, so I did a couple MLMs, one that, and I really enjoyed it. So it wasn't one that you know was just <laughs> that I picked off of a shelf. You know, um, I really enjoyed the product, so it was fine. I introduced it to a lot of my friends, but again, you don't own your own business; you're doing it for someone else, and it started to become stressful, like everything. I, I, and I don't know, maybe it's just me too that I just can't just like have something small, no, like no, that'd it's, be more. Oh, well, yeah, maybe a little bit, <laughs> a yeah, little bit. You're a very ambitious soul. <laughs> so that posh stuff, I did posh. Okay. So then I was like done with that. So I started making dog treats. I was like, okay, I'll do this for myself. So I was getting closer to that entrepreneurship that I didn't even realize. Yeah. Like closer and closer. So I was like, okay, I'm still making money for people. Let's sell dog treats. I'm making money just for me. And that's when I met Amy at the craft show and you were selling DIY home decor. Yeah. So when I first came back to Ohio, uh, because this is where our home was, and that was our whole goal of getting out of Chicago back home to the country because we are not city people, we found out. So um, we headed back to Ohio and I knew that I was starting out from zero. I had no budget as a home stager and I knew I needed to get my name out there and I wasn't probably going to be booking really big high paying clients right away. And so I started by having a craft show booth of DIY decor. It was farmhousey at the time. That was very cool. And yeah, that, was super, that was the trend. That was absolutely the trend. It was very new in Ohio. People weren't even like doing it really well yet. And so it really did help get the name of the business out and get my face out there, get me meeting people. And it gave me a chance to collect email addresses. So that's why I was there at that craft show. 
And I remember looking at all of the the boots and thinking that yours was by far the cutest. Oh my gosh, you're the best. <laughs> and thinking that like between looking at the way you had it set up and the the way you were dressed, that was the, all I needed to know that you were ha- always going to have a good eye. Like there was no question. So from the very beginning, I knew that much. Yeah, you saw a lot of that in me that I didn't see, you know, because I yeah. didn't go into this being like, I'm, I didn't meet you and be like, Hey, Amy, I'm a designer and I love home decor and I know that I want to be a home stager. Will you hire me? Right. Honestly, what happened is that I was following after that, I was following her on Facebook and would see all of her amazing designs. And I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Like, she's so awesome. <laughs> and so I was like, I, I'm just going to call like on a whim and ask if I can just help her out. Like, can I do office work for you? Like, I'm at home with Zoe. It's my daughter now. Um, she's nine now, but when she was little, she was probably like three at this time, I mm-hmm. think. And I was like, you know, I just want a little bit more. The zoo is fun. Being with Zoe is fun all the time, but I just need a little bit more. Can I help you out with some office stuff? It's something that I know that I'm good at. And she was like, yeah, absolutely. So I started helping with clients and then Which, do staging. for the record is wild because I was not looking for help at the time, but something in my gut just told me like, yeah, hire her. Like I knew how capable she was. And, you know, when we say that we met at a craft show, you know, we met back up at a craft show because we've actually known each other since kindergarten. Yes. We graduated yes. together from the same small town high school. Our whole lives. Our like whole elementary, lives. middle school, mm-hmm. everything. And, but we just had always kind of been kept apart. Like yeah. I was in different classes. We were into different hobbies. Um, we just somehow like always knew of each other, but never really were friends and I we swear now the universe was keeping us apart until it was time or something because yeah that was definitely meant to be absolutely because we were always nice with each other oh yeah but like didn't really know each other around in the same like yeah groups. I always thought very highly of you but, same but then you know when we worked out absolutely and then we met back up at that craft show years later and then you know a little while later is when you reached out and I remember just not even hesitating like oh yeah absolutely I want her help <laughs> I don't, I don't have a plan to hire anybody, but I'm gonna. (laughs) That is so awesome. I am so glad you did because it did get me out of that. Like, I don't know, as a mom, it's hard after you have a baby and you're like trying to find yourself a little Mm -hmm. when, you know, you're, did you have a new child? So you're like, everything kind of changes. Your responsibilities change. Your, the way that you think about life changes, where you want to put your time changes. And I knew that I wanted something a little bit more, but I also wanted to still have that life too. Right. I was like, I think this is like the halfway point of like how I can do both and how I can have totally. everything. And so it happened slowly and organically and yeah, thank God it did. But yeah. Cause you started out helping, you know, packing up um, houses to get them ready to destage and doing a little bit of like office work and calling people and, I don't even remember exactly what yeah, in the very beginning. Yeah, it was mostly that. And I would take Zoe sometimes to like the yeah. stage and things. And She's going to was... have memories someday of, of going to houses with mommy when she was really little. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. But it was amazing having help. And what I didn't realize I needed even more is the, the moral support of another human being who understands what you're going through. Because home staging is a pretty new industry. So there's very little help. There's very little training out there. There aren't a lot of really great like clubs and message boards and things like that to join if you're a really low budget new stager. And I was just desperate for somebody to, to like 
empathize with. Yeah. And you're also doing vacant stagings most of the time. So you're dealing with clients beforehand, but then you're in the house. So it can be like a very lonely, like unless you have movers and stuff that are with you, but if they leave and you're like in a house for hours, it can be a little bit lonely. So it's probably nice just to have someone around. And I loved the extra company because again, I had like gone down the mommy hole, the rabbit hole. You are a very social creature. So being home by yourself all of a sudden, that must've been really hard. No wonder you were reaching out for (laughs) something. I was like, I need to talk about something other than what my kid is (laughs) going to wear the next day or Peppa Pig or what lunch is going to be. It's like, (laughs) I need something more, please. So yeah, that, that definitely helped us both at the time. The universe brought us together and and being, being together made a big difference, but you know, it's, it's certainly not that everybody needs to do that to have a successful experience. You know, part of what we're about is creating resources and a community so yeah. that other people don't feel like that. And that's what this podcast and what our Facebook group and what all of our resources are about. Honestly, it all stems from this moment where we felt just very alone and isolated, even after we found each other, because we just had such a hard time finding resources for this very new industry. Yes. This is what we needed. Yes. So we were creating the things that we wish existed when we were brand new and our hearts are very much in it because we just don't want anybody to feel the way that we did when we were new at this. Yeah. Yeah. So circling back, I started actually staging because I was in a house. I I don't even know really what the like first time was, honestly. I think like you said, it happened slowly and organically over time. Yeah. And you were just like, uh, Hey, did you know? And did you know that, you know, you're good at design? Did you know that (laughs) what you're talking about? I think we had a conversation one day and you're like, Oh, what you're talking about is color theory. And I was like, what bitch? I don't even know what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah. You always had the concepts. I just had the names for them. Yeah. And so again, meant to be. Meant to be. And yeah. So you stepping up, I remember almost having to like convince you that yes, you could help me with staging and no, I didn't need to tell you exactly what to do because you already knew what to do. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you say like, you say sometimes that I taught you a lot of things, but I still like, I, I didn't teach you the concepts. You already understood all of that. All I did was put names to them and kind of show you the structure of how it worked from what I had learned in design school. And you'd be like, hey, don't touch that again. Because in staging, especially when you're new, you second guess yourself all the time. So you put something somewhere and you stand back and you're like, oh, maybe it's not perfect. I need to do it again and again and again and again. Stop touching it. It was great the first time. It was great the third time. It was great the seventh time. (laughs) (laughs) And it's that support that you need, especially when you're new. You know, yeah. and new to design and new to different concepts and just new to a new industry. And yeah, Be- being a home stager, people start becoming home stagers from a lot of different directions. And sometimes it's design and they already know what they know. Yeah. And other times, you know, maybe they just have had a good eye their whole life like you. I mean, you've always had an eye for fashion and you've always been able to put visual um visual designs together effortlessly you just didn't know it yeah I feel like that's a big thing with home staging too it's like that's the biggest thing is like if you love home decor if you're one of those people that's like goes to home goods and you're looking at all the new stuff every single time you go in and you're putting something together again in your head for your house yeah mm, home staging might be for you it sure (laughs) might 
because that's really all it takes. You know, you don't have to have all the fancy schmancy vocabulary and, you know, know all of everything about color theory. You just need to be able to use it. And so that's why we say that, you know, if you've had a good eye your whole life, then you absolutely can do this job. You just need some basic skills that come along with being an entrepreneur, a small business owner. And if you can put those that set of skills together, then there are so many people out there that can do this job and do it very successfully. Yeah. And I don't know if I mentioned that, but I ended up not finishing college. Right. I went for a couple of years, decided it wasn't for me, started at Allstate. So I don't have a degree in design. I don't have a degree. I, you know... <laughs> I got more than enough for both of us. Exactly. I'm the one. I honestly, at the end of the day, you were the smart one. I wasted an enormous amount of time and money getting degrees and things. You know, we've talked about this before, though, is that that's, it led you to know the different things that you, you know, different things that I do in life. And I think that's why we complement each other very well. We've had very different life experiences. Yes. And when you bring those together, it's really helpful. It is. And so ultimately... Neither one of us wanted to be an entrepreneur when we grew up. Neither one of us was looking to become a small business owner. It was, it was out of searching for something, trying to find a way to be happy, trying to create a life that we were, you know, excited about. And we both have always felt this drive to contribute to the world in some way and help people in some way. And I think that this is how we found the way to do it. But you have to have a huge, strong why like that. It has to be that really intense desire to create a better life for yourself or to teach people something or to contribute to the world or to change your family's life, to buy your freedom back. You know, for us, a huge part of why we do what we do is because we couldn't stand the thought of being told what to do every minute of every day by somebody else who probably wasn't doing it as well as we could do it. You know, it's that frustration. We wanted our time back. We wanted our time back. I, I am not willing to be a workaholic the rest of my life. I'm not willing to work 24 seven. I saw, you know, no offense, love you mom and dad, but I saw my parents do that and I am not, I'm not here for it. Um, you know, that whole generation was very dedicated to, um, acquiring, wealth and status. Um, it's, you know, it is what it is. It's not certainly their, their fault. History (laughs) creates generations that are very different from one another, but for us, for people, you know, a little bit younger, especially, and not only that, but I think our generation is particularly focused on trying to find a life that we're happy living because we have seen our parents kind of work themselves to death and yes. miss out on a lot of things because of it. And I'm just not willing to risk missing out on my whole life purely for security. That I, I think that um, a lot of times, and I love my parents for how hard they worked and how stable yes. they created a life for us. But it, it was also as an adult, you look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, they were so excited. And for the two weeks that they got a vacation, yes. it was like, they were amped about that. Talk like, about that working for the like, weekend. It's- yes, yes. It was always working for the weekend and just not enough happy times. And you know, when you hear your parents right. like talk about work, it's always like the, when they come home, it's the bad stuff that they're talking about. In the yeah, car they're complaining. They're letting off steam. and Yeah. Yeah. And then they, they bring that stress home and, yes. and you just see it wear on them. Yep. And so, yeah, security obviously is extremely motivating, 
but having an even stronger why, not just I want to make a, a, a living and I want to support my family, but I want to do it in a way that feels right for me, to my soul, in my life. I want to feel good in my skin. I want to work to live, not live to work. Yeah. And ultimately, that's what it came down to for us. That's what it comes down to for a lot of people. Most people don't quit their jobs, for example, or walk away from an established career that they've gotten a master's degree for if they aren't really, really motivated to do it. And if they're not absolutely desperate, it's not laziness. People don't walk away from things like that because of laziness or because they have decided to quit on something. It's usually because their burnout. soul is crying out. <laughs> burnout. Exactly. Mine was burnout. Mine was yeah. burnout. Like every single month, like getting that sales number, getting that sales number, getting that sales Exhausting. number. Oh, it was just, you're on a wheel. Yeah. I get me off the wheel. Right. I do not want to be on this ride anymore. I opt out. <laughs> and for get me, me you know, on top of realizing that what I was searching for wasn't in my um, academic pursuits was not fulfilling for me as I was looking for a job and couldn't find one, I ended up working for an insurance company as a temp and getting paid just garbage pay and, you know, doing the work of two, three people because I was capable of it. So they kept giving me more and more with no pay raises. And I cannot tell you how motivating working in a cubicle is to somebody who shouldn't be working in a cubicle. Um, you can't see the sky. You come to work when it's dark. You leave when it's dark. My commute was from like the O'Hare airport region way down to the Southwest side of Chicago. And it was an absolute nightmare every day. I was barely seeing my husband and I, I've just felt so unseen. All of my creative energy and all of my capability that I knew I had within me was just underappreciated and ignored. And I just felt so desperate to find something fulfilling. Yeah, you're doing the back and forth every day. Every day. It's just for nothing. To make a bunch of money for somebody else who you've never met who's going to pocket those profits. And it just feels so empty and soulless to some people. Some people love a job like that. There's nothing wrong with that. But we are not the ones. We yeah, are not built not for, for that for that life. And we found our way out. So if you are thinking of jumping ship on your current career track or leaving your job or even starting a side hustle so that you can eventually leave your job, if you feel that deep, deep drive to do it, don't ignore that. Follow your intuition. Follow what you know that you need. Follow what your soul is telling you to do because there is an amazing life on the other side of it and you can do it. Yeah. Even if it's just a hobby. I feel like sometimes people just want a little something. Yeah. It doesn't need to be a huge empire that you want to build. You might just want a really fulfilling side business, side hustle, yep. or a very small business. And I think a lot of other homestagers make people feel, feel bad about that. And yeah. there's no reason that that shouldn't be just as respected as somebody doing 30 stagings a month with a huge warehouse. You can make your business work for you. Yep. You're in charge here. All right. Thanks for being here. We are so excited to dive into our next topic. We will see you in the next episode where we'll be talking about how we became disruptors in the staging industry and why. <laughs> this will be a fun one. We'll see you then. New episodes of The Staging Lab are published every Thursday, so check back with us weekly for support, laughs, inspiration, and no BS advice about starting a soul-centered creative staging business in today's disconnected world.